Hello, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with the Slate Spoiler Special podcast on Milk, the new Gus Van Sant movie about the life and times of Harvey Milk. Joining me in the studio is June Thomas, Slate's foreign editor. Hi, June. Hey, Dana. So we had the pleasure of seeing Milk together the other night. It really was a pleasure, especially because I had just seen Australia, which is such an awful movie that same day. And it was just delightful to remember that movies can have subtlety and nuance and, and be so nicely done. So um, did, did you like it as much as I did? I did. I really liked it. And to the extent that because unlike you, I don't usually go to the movies with a critical eye. I don't have to write movie reviews. You can just let it wash over you. Exactly. I'm so jealous. But when I I know I'm going to do something like this, I usually take copious notes and overcompensate. And I started to do that, but I completely became lost in the movie and in the story. And, you know, I looked down at my little pad that I was gripping through it afterward, and I had maybe three little scribblings. So I think that's a real testament to how compelling it is and what a good story it is. I was also familiar with the story somewhat. It's been a while since I read anything about Harvey Milk, but there really weren't any surprises for me. And yet, again, I was completely caught up in it. And that's something that's hard for a biopic to do, right? Especially if you're familiar with the story. It's so easy for it to check off the boxes. Oh, well, now this happens and that happens. And, you know, we all know what's going to happen in the end to Harvey Milk, but maybe everyone doesn't. So let's actually do a quick, not plot summary so much as life summary. Right. Well, Harvey Milk was from Brooklyn and he, for the first 40 years of his life, led a pretty conventional middle-class existence. He went to college. He served in the Navy. He worked in an insurance company. He was gay. He knew he was gay from when he was about 14. He didn't really come out to his family. He was closeted at work. So on his 40th birthday, Sean Penn, as Harvey Milk, meets this beautiful young boy, Scott Smith, James Franco, from Freaks and Geeks, I always (laughs) think of him as. Anyway, a cute young boy, and the two of them fall in love. They fall in love, and they move to San Francisco together in 1970 and become abruptly these hippie members of the counterculture and open a camera store together. Now, you just finished reading or in the midst of reading a a biography of of Harvey Milk. And apparently all of this stuff is pretty accurate, right? Because the movie makes it look as if they move there, open a camera shop. And next thing you know, Harvey is running for um, city supervisor. What's his? Yeah, for the supervisor. Yeah, I forget the exact type, but the supervisor role in San Francisco is like the city council. I guess there are 11 of them and yeah, from the, almost from the second he arrived, it seems he was running a campaign. And thus begins a very endearing part of the movie where he keeps losing and losing and losing and running for this office year after year. Yeah. How many years did it take him to actually get it? Five? Actually, he was elected in 1977, I believe, and I think his first run was 73. Uh, so, yeah, he had four campaigns in this. But during that whole season, you know, all those seasons of unsuccessful campaigns, he's also kind of building this grassroots gay community in the Castro and attracting this coterie of adoring young men who all become activists basically because of the force of Harvey Milk's personality. Absolutely. And so throughout the movie, I figured in the typical biopic way, because as we were saying, this really is a very typical biopic and yet a very superior one also. I assumed that there were all kinds of condensations going on, that there were all kinds of things that we weren't seeing. And reading the reading the book, it really felt that, actually, no, this was Harvey Milk's life. Harvey Milk... You yes, should he, mention what biography you read. Oh, you I recommend read that. Yeah, absolutely. I read uh, The Mayor of Castro Street by Randy Schultz. And he really did... Without really, most of his old friends couldn't really figure out why he did become so radicalized and political. It was a change for him. But really, he just threw himself into into trying to become elected. This camera store was neglected. It was more a, a place where people gathered to talk strategy 
uh, and to plan campaigns. Uh, the, you know, the business was completely neglected. Well, was he able to make money through the business, though? Where did his money come from? Not really. I mean, it was he, he lived on very little. The business was almost a, an afterthought. Rents were cheap at the beginning. Um, you know, by the end of his life, he'd lost the lease. Uh, and he realized after the campaign where he actually won his seat, he, he you know, took some time to look at the books and realized he was deeply in debt and it was just a, a complete bust and he closed the business. Well, how accurate, as long as you, we've got you as the, as the Harvey Milk expert here, how accurate are the details about his assassination? I mean, the movie makes it pretty much look as if Dan White, this fellow San Francisco City Board of Supervisors, I don't know what the exact title is, right. so I'm just saying right. it all who's played by Josh Brolin really wonderfully in the movie. The movie makes a pretty persuasive case that Dan White was actually a closeted homosexual himself and that, you know, some sort of combination of envy and resentment and desire was what led him to kill Mayor Moscone and Harvey Milk. Yeah, that is unclear, I must say. Um, The book doesn't make that case as much? Not so much. Um, It makes the case that he's disturbed and one of, certainly for Harvey Milk, one of the things that he pretty much assumed was that people who you know, lived their lives in the closets, were very damaged by it. And um, the kind of damage that he saw in Dan White seemed to be that sort of damage. But so we don't know whether he was a closeted gay man, but he certainly the details of, you know, him resigning his supervisor's seat, asking for it back, being frustrated that he didn't get it back, putting his gun on, climbing through a window so he didn't have to go through the uh, metal detector. So with, with that it was all planned out. And then just going in and shooting the mayor and shooting Harvey Milk it was incredibly accurate. One of the things Dan White got off uh, with the Twinkie defense, and I was... Well, uh, he got a very minimal sentence, yeah, right? He, a manslaughter right, sentence. Manslaughter, and he got five years. Can you explain what the Twinkie defense is? He claimed that he had uh, his blood sugar was all upset because he'd, he'd drunk a lot of Cokes and eaten a lot of Twinkies, a lot of junk food. And the the trial. What a bizarre tactic for his lawyer to have Absolutely. chosen. Absolutely. Well, the, you know, it was the the trial was, seemed to have been botched. I mean, the prosecution was very weak. They, had, they allowed basically 12 white, mostly Catholic jurors, very much Dan White's people. And just from, you know, reading a quick summary, it seemed like it was uh, really not a fair trial and certainly not a very well conducted trial. But so much of the emphasis has been on Dan White and why did he do it? And he certainly was a character in the movie. Uh, Josh Brolin plays him very well, but he's not the center of the movie, which I think is great. It's all about Harvey Milk. It's about the gay uh, community and the building of that gay community and, and gay politicization in the 70s, fighting against Anita Bryant fighting against uh, the Briggs Amendment, which was a, an, an amendment to try to make it illegal for teachers in California to be gay or to support gay teachers. So, yeah, in essence, it feels sort of more like a document about the birth of the gay rights movement in San Francisco than right. about the assassination of this individual. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about performances and casting, because it's really one of Gus Van Sant's strong points as a director, yeah. I feel like, even in his weaker movies, and I think this is one of his stronger movies, but Gus Van Sant always finds finds his man. He finds the right the right guy, especially if it's a young, cute guy. And so obviously he's completely in his element, peopling this world around Harvey Milk with these sort of fun-loving, cute gay men. So, so what are some of the performances that stood out for you? I would say even other than Sean Penn, who plays Harvey Milk, by kind of melting into the background, you you after a while, I wasn't seeing Sean Penn anymore. I felt like the actors had disappeared. Yeah, Sean Penn, who doesn't do that with every performance. I mean, he sometimes does pat himself on the back a little bit as an actor. I admire Sean Penn, but there's moments when 
you know, you roll your eyes a little bit. And just last year, he played a demagogic politician in All the King's Men, in, I thought, a very hammy, over-the-top, and unappealing way. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it was pretty accurate. Apparently, uh, Harvey Milk was very conscious of his Brooklyn accent, and he was he made a conscious effort to kind of dial it down a little bit. And so you hear in Sean Penn uh, this kind of almost quiet voice uh, that doesn't seem like it would be the voice of a charismatic politician. Um, well, that's the thing is that he plays his Harvey Milk very close to the vest and kind of gentle. He has these yeah. very small little gestures, like a little bit fruity, but never over the top, you know, yeah. exaggerated. And I don't know, I haven't seen enough moving footage of Harvey Milk to see how he moved. But you can tell that Sean Penn invented a whole gait and a whole style of carriage for himself that really works. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed his performance. And then the others... I mean, I I could name the... I mean, I thought Josh Brolin was very good. Emil Hirsch is pretty good as Cleve Jones, uh, who is a, a young protégé, a gay activist, of a protégé of Harvey Milk's. But then they kind of disappeared, which I take as a compliment to them. It may not be good for their careers, but... Well, Diego Luna plays a... What in the movie is, is portrayed as Harvey Milk's last boyfriend, uh, a Mexican-American guy who's an alcoholic can't really cope with the social niceties of being, in a way, the supervisor's first lady and uh, who, and who commits suicide in a very uh, kind of spectacular very way. Very theatrical way, which really yes, happened. It really happened, right down... That's you know. such a biopic tragedy moment that you kind of can't believe it yeah. happened, that on the eve yeah. of his actual election, his boyfriend hangs himself. Yeah, but absolutely true. And, you know, that's kind of an over-the-top uh, performance, but apparently... You know, that's how Lyra was. And, and, you know, most of Harvey Milk's cadre was always trying to get rid of Jack. It just he wasn't the right kind of image. But Harvey Milk always said, no, this is the kind of guy who needs her, our help. And so, you know, also he was his type as well. All of that, I think, is really well established. That can lead us to our next question, because I want to talk about the treatment of gay sexuality in the movie Promiscuity versus Fidelity and, mm -hmm. you know, how all that works. But I, th I thought that the kind of texture of, the, you know, the Harvey Milk world was really well created, because you don't have to see too much kind of backstabbing and gossiping mm -hmm. to get to get a sense of what's going on, you know. Right, right. And yet, there's although there is a lot of backstabbing and gossiping, there also feels like there's a lot of love and unity in this community that he creates, which is why it's so, so sad at the end when, right. you know, you see the footage of his actual funeral procession filling the whole Castro. But yeah, so, so do you have anything to say about being gay in the 70s as it's shown in this movie? Well, you know, I guess there were, Gus Van Sant, I suppose, was very conscious of all the cliches. I mean, there's, there's, there is a cliche that all the promiscuity of the 70s led to the health crisis of the 80s and later. And, and there's kind of a perverse nostalgia and romanticization a lot of times, right, of absolutely. 70s promiscuity. Yeah. There's a documentary about gay life in the 70s. I think it was called Gay Life in the 70s a few years ago that was really fun to watch because of all the great footage, right. but it was kind of an absurd idealization of, you know, let's all have sex in a truck yeah. and it'll be great again. Yeah, no, and so I think he avoided those cliches in a way that's probably right on and also doesn't scare potential viewers off. And yet there is an more than an acknowledgement, a celebration of gay life, gay sex, gay love. That is Most of the time positive. in a pretty off-screen way, although there's yeah. a couple of, right from the beginning, a couple of very sweet naked love romps. Absolutely. And, you know, there's certainly full mouth kissing Sean Penn, you know, who's a acknowledged heterosexual. I think he's openly heterosexual, right? Um, you know, he's certainly... <laughs> he and Robin Wright Penn are out, <laughs> out and proud. <laughs> he, you know, the, he certainly, you know, gets into the kisses and the romping. So, you know, it, it is very celebrated. But I was surprised to read, having established that Harvey Milk from the movie 
had the feeling there was a slight monkish aspect to him, you know, that he was focused on his politics and he fell in love. And even though he would be very sexual with these boyfriends, you kind of had the... And also there's this idea that Jack Lira was his last boyfriend and he was very upset. And clearly he was upset by the suicide, but he had other boyfriends and he certainly wasn't monogamous. And so I don't really know what the motivation... Maybe it was just to keep it simple... I don't know exactly why, but maybe a slight exaggeration of his monogamy. Right, monogamizing him a little right. bit more. Although right, right. there are some, there are plenty of nods to promiscuity in terms of you know his affectionate asides to his various friends, sort of saying like, "Oh, off to the bathhouses, are we?" Right, 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 right. right. There's definitely a sense that you know there's some loving happening on the on the on the edges of the movie. Absolutely. Okay, and I just want to wrap up with um, something really interesting that you had to say about this movie's absolute topicality right now and what it's like to see it when it's opening, which is just after, I was going to say on the eve of, but on the day after, you know, the the passing of Prop 8 in California and all of these countrywide protests. Right. No, I mean, it, the, the release of the movie is timed to the 30th anniversary of his death, which is on November 27th, 2008. But you know, so much of the movie is about these campaigns against what in California was then Prop 6. And there is this, one of Harvey Milk's great uh, motivations was that, you know, we need gay politicians. We can't rely on liberal friends. And I think also he was surprised. The the um, the, the polls about Prop 6 were, it turned out, inaccurate. It looked like it was going to lose. And, um, in and the you mo- see that in the movie as yeah, well. Yeah, in the movie and in the book especially, there's a feeling that he was he was surprised and slightly disappointed, not because he wanted gays to be persecuted in any way, but because he thought that that was necessary to get people onto the streets, to get people to come out, uh, which was one of his great causes, that that would do much more for gay people than, you know, some an electoral victory over a crazy bigot. I mean, the Proposition 6 was only supported, was only endorsed by the Nazi Party, the Ku Klux Klan, and, you know... Anita Bryant. And the Deputy Sheriff's Association of Los Angeles. I mean, it was a very extreme measure, and yet it was still pretty close. And I think, uh, you know, getting people... We've seen after the defeat of of Proposition 8, or the the victory, I guess, of Proposition 8, that um, when something like that happens, it does get people on the streets and maybe in a way, you know, it, it will lead to... It serves as a negative focus that can mobilize action. Absolutely. So, Dana, would you recommend this movie? I would recommend it highly, I, especially for people who don't know anything about Harvey Milk. And to them, it's really just a random story of some gay guy in California right. in the 70s, which is probably most young people today, uh-huh. right? Yeah, I would certainly recommend it. You? Absolutely, yeah. It's funny because there are very few women in the uh, in the film, which is, again, accurate. There were very few lesbians involved in Harvey Milk's groups, in his politics. But I really enjoyed it. It's you Well, know, there's a little bit of dramatization and a little bit of fun poked at that, that when a yeah. lesbian campaign manager is introduced, you know, all the boys are sort of up in arms and put out about it. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting, too, is to Absolutely. see that just so recently in the gay rights movement that there was this giant division between men mm-hmm. and women. Mm-hmm. No, I, I highly recommend it. Well, June, thanks so much for coming to the movie, and uh, thanks for joining me for this Slate spoiler special. You're very welcome. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.